One of the most famous stories from the Bible is the, in the life of Jesus Christ is where he fed the 5,000. It's a miracle. In fact, it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. If you take all the Gospels, put them together, Jesus did about 35 miracles. But this is the only one that's found in all four. And when you say, yeah, he fed the 5,000, what's really the amazing thing is it wasn't 5,000. It was 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. And if many of those people were married and if they all had a couple of kids, he could have fed as many as 20,000 people that day. If you remember, he had five loaves and two fish, and after that day they had 12 baskets, uh, loads of bread and stuff left over. And by the way, they weren't little baskets. They were the kind of baskets that you see on the side of those donkeys, you know, those giant baskets. They were full, 12 of those. He also said 4,000, 4,000, and, and once again, it was 4,000 men, not 4,000 thousand total, there could have been uh, there as much as ten to 12,000 people as well. And he had seven baskets left over. One of the things we remember is that God always supplies our needs. Well, this morning in the life of Elisha, we're going to see two more miracles, and we're going to see that Elisha does something. Elisha feeds a number of people. In fact, he's just warming up for Jesus is what he's doing. We're just going to see how it works. And as we look at our study this morning, we're going to see that God provides, excuse me, God protects and God provides. And we're going to look at it this way. In 2 Kings 4, 38 through 41, just that little section right there, we're going to talk about God protecting. And then in verses 42, 43, and 44, we're going to see God providing. And I mean, we're going through his life, and we did Elijah, and there were so many things there, so many giant things. And now we're looking at Elisha, and there's they're just a little bit different. So let's start with God protects. And this event takes place after Elisha had raised a boy from the dead. Now let's just talk about it. It's pretty miraculous that this woman that, uh, that Elisha had told her she was going to have a son. She has the son. Son gets probably 12 to 14 years old. Has something wrong, go wrong with his head. Probably some kind of aneurysm or something. And he dies. They put him on Elisha's bed. Elisha comes in there and lays across him. And God brings him back from the dead. It's an, it's an amazing thing. And so you look at that and you say, what an incredible thing. How, you, you don't call that a, a, a small miracle. We say, no, but it wasn't real public. Who else knew about it? What people knew that that happened? You know, it's just not the same as Elijah, where he called down fire and the, and the prophets of Baal and killed 400 of them and all that kind of stuff. So they're just a little bit different ministries. So this, this ministry or this miracle we're fixing to see takes place after he raised the little boy from the dead. Look at verse 38 of 2 Kings chapter 4. It said, now when Elisha returned to Gilgal, returned from healing that little boy, when Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land. As the sons of prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Now, they come back and there's a famine in the land, which means there's hardly any food. And so as we see this passage, we're going to see protection. You might think, well, aren't you going to be talking about provision? Well, he's going to provide. But the real subject of this passage is God's protection. So watch this. In Hebrews 13, he never leaves us or forsake us. Why should we fear? We don't have to be afraid of anything. What's going on? If you remember, the sons of the prophets were like, like a little school almost. It, that there were men that wanted to follow Elisha, earlier Elijah, and he would teach them. And they were called sons of the prophets. So that one group, they had over 50 of them at one time. We're going to find this group's got about a hundred 
people, a hundred men, and they meet and they study and I imagine that Elisha teaches them the Bible, those kind of things. They're called sons of the prophets. And it didn't mean that they were necessarily a prophet themselves, that they would get direct revelation. It just meant they were in training. And I kind of look at it as if it's almost like a seminary where Elijah and Elisha were training and teaching people to help carry on with the truths of the Bible. Well, Elijah says, put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Well, the truth is they're all hungry and there's no food. So what exactly are they going to eat? What are they going to do? What's going to happen? Well, it all sounds good until you get to verse 39. It says, Then one, one of the sons of the prophets went out into the field to gather herbs, and he found this wild vine and gathered from it the lapful of wild gourds and came and sliced them and put them in the pot of the stew, for they did not know what they were. Now, I, I, don't, I don't eat anything that's green anyway, okay? I, I, I eat, like, meat and things like that, so I wouldn't have probably eaten this anyway. But for them to go out, and he finds this vine, and they got these gourds on it, and he probably says, I don't, I don't know what these are, but maybe we can eat it. I mean, you know, if you ever, who was the first person that ate certain things they died from it? You know, they, they ate the thing, and they said, from now on, don't eat. That's poison. You know, don't eat that. We lost Joe, but, you know, let's don't lose anybody else, you know. And maybe you had a designated eater in the camp, you know, and just said, you know, go eat, and if you die, we know not to eat that thing. But so they got out there, and there's these gourds, and he cuts, the, you know, he brings them in, he cuts them up, and, and, and they, they put it in there, and they're making the stew. And then it says, so they poured it out for the men to eat. So they're going to eat this. And as they were eating of the stew, they cried out and said, Oh, man of God. They said, Elisha, there is death in the pot. They said, this tastes, this tastes, this tastes funny. Something, something's wrong. As they poured it out, they said, something's wrong. It doesn't taste right. And they were saying, I, I think there's something wrong here. I think it's poison. I think we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't eat it. And so what are they going to do? They're unable to eat it. It must have been some kind of poison gourd, something. Are they going to die? What are they going to eat? What's going to happen? Well, you know, Elisha is amazing. So what does he do? He, he said, verse 41, Now bring meal. He threw it into the pot and said, Pour it out for the people that they may eat. Then there was no harm in the pot. Now he said, bring some meal, some kind of flour, something, you know, to put in the pot. And they put it in the pot. And then, now, let me ask you something. Okay, if you were there... And there's this pot, and somebody says, I think, I think that's poison. We're not going to eat it. And they go, I'm not eating it. And then Elisha pours some meal down there and says, okay, now you can eat it. You going to eat it? Well, if Elisha said to eat it, I guess, you know, he's the prophet of God. He's the man of God. He raised a little boy from the dead. He's made an axe head. Uh, you know, we're going to see that later. That's going to float. He's done all kind of different miracles already. Uh, and so he says, go ahead and eat. There's no harm in the pot. And so they had to, he said, bring some meal, some flour, and put it, they had to trust him. And in, and, and, and in reality, Elisha's like a picture of God to them. He's, he's the prophet of God. He speaks for God. He gives revelation from God. And he says to them, go ahead and eat. And what they have to do is do what? They have to trust him. And knowing that God will protect. Now, I, I'm, we're going to see provision in just a second, but this is protection that God will protect them. I want you to think about our lives. Psalm 127, uh, Psalm 121 verse 7 says, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. When you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, what do you have? What do you get? Eternal life. So you're safe forever, aren't you? And you're safe forever. Well, God protects you no matter what. Could you ever lose your salvation? Could you ever be pulled out of his hand? No. 
My sheep are my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They shall never perish. Nobody can pluck them out of my hand. My Father gave me his greater all. Nobody can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Listen, we don't have to be afraid. He's going to always protect us and take care of us. Look at this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from, not form, from the evil one. Does he? Does he always protect us? He does. He does. Now, we get ourselves in trouble sometimes when we come away from him and those kind of things. How about this one? First Peter 1 Peter 1.5. We are protected, because he's going back to believers. We are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to reveal in the last time. That's called glorification salvation. We already have eternal life, and we have the Christian life. And this is a salvation that's coming in the future. We call that glorification, in which he comes and gets us and takes care of us. He says we're protected by the power of God. As we seek to live for God in a fallen world, know that God protects us. And he does. Do we have to be afraid when we go through life? We don't have to be afraid. Now, there's things you, you, you don't have to be stupid, but you don't have to be afraid. We don't have to, we don't have to fear what the world's going to do to us. We don't have to fear because God is our strength and our shield. He is our protection. Uh, listen to what Jesus said on the last night with the men in the upper room. Here's what he says. I do not ask you. He's praying to the Father for the men, but which carried on to us. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. We're not out of the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. The evil one is Satan, and he controls the the fallen world. He is our protection. God is our protector. God is our strength, and God is our shield. And in the same way that Elisha said, okay, you can eat it. It's fine. We threw that in there. It went from being poison to not being poison, just like that, just like he could make God made water come out of nowhere. God made the water look like blood so the enemy got all scared and fought themselves. Uh, God raised the little boy from the dead. God uses Elisha, and he said, uh, you don't have to be afraid. He's protected them. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? Now, I know it's just a small miracle, but would you like to have been able to do that miracle? You know, is there any such thing as a small miracle? You know, I said that it's a small miracle. Is that any less a miracle than God calling down fire out of heaven? No, it's not really. Uh, you know, we, we look at it and we go, well, that, was, that wasn't that big a deal. Well, yeah, if you ate that stuff and died from it, it would have been a big deal. Yeah, it would have been a big deal. Well, let's look at the second one. Look at this one. And this is God provides. And I love this story here. Second Kings chapter 4, 42 through 44. And we're going to see what happens. Now, look at this. Now, a man... This is now a man came from Belshazzar, and he brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And he said, give them to the people that they may eat. Now, this looks really good, right? Here comes a man, and a man came in bringing the bread to the man of God, Elisha. He is bringing, and if you notice, he brings his first fruit. Let me see if I think I have the, the next slide. Says, uh, let, let me go back for a second, before, and let me explain first fruit, and then I'll put that up. If you lived at the time of Israel, and you, you put your crops in the ground, and when the first fruit came up out of the ground, the first thing, the first produce, whatever you're going to get that you could eat, you were supposed to take that first fruit and take it to God. And so at this time, 
somebody says, well, where I'm going to take it is I'm going to take it to Elisha because I know Elisha's a man of God, and they can use it. So best that we know is he took it, turned it into loaves of bread and some grain, and he says, I'm going to take my first fruits because notice what it says, and he brought the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears. Now, let's talk about the first fruits. In the Jewish calendar, on the 14th day of the first month is Passover. That's in our spring. That's when the crops are coming up at, for them. That's when things were coming up. On the 14th day of the first month is Passover. 15th through the 21st is called unleavened bread. After Passover, whatever day that falls on, the next Sunday in that week is called first fruits. And so that's the time that the Jewish people would take their first fruits and bring it basically to the temple or to the tabernacle. Well, here's what they're doing. And by the way, Jesus died on Passover. That's the 14th day of the first month because he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus rose on first fruits because he's the first one to rise from the dead. That's it's a picture of that. And we see that in the scripture. We talked about it on Easter Sunday. We went through the whole thing and talked about the first fruits, the first one to, uh, Jesus is the one to die, the first one to rise from the grave, never to die again. Now, we've been talking about a guy by the name of Gehazi, right? Who is Gehazi? Anybody remember? He's, uh, 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 yeah, he's the, sort of the servant to Elisha. And we said, I said earlier, be careful. You know, I, I know the whole story, and you may have read ahead too, so you know. But this guy is a servant of Elisha. And yet, when we really look at his life, we're going to see some things. Do you remember what did Gehazi do when the woman came and fell at Elisha's feet when her son had died? What did he do? He tried to get her away. He basically said, get away and don't grab a hold of the prophet. And Elisha said, no, 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 leave her alone. The Lord hadn't told me what's happened yet. We're going to see today, this guy brings these loaves of bread. And by the way, when you see loaves of bread, don't think of going to the grocery store and getting a loaf of bread. It's probably a little piece of bread about that big. So he brings 20 of those and some grain. And he basically says to Elisha, I brought some food for the, for the people to eat. We're going to see there's about 100 guys there. You think 100 guys can eat these 20 little loaves? Okay. But so watch what Gehazi says. His attendant, verse 43, that's Gehazi, said, what will I set what, will I set this before a hundred men? Now, he's basically saying, I'm not enough. This is the attendant, it's Gehazi, and he says, it's not enough to feed the people. Well, thank you, you know, well, I'm sorry I brought it. Well, how would you feel? You know, you said, I've got a gift to the building fund. It's a hundred dollars. That's not very much. What? Well, I'm sorry I brought it then, you know, right? I mean, that's what he's saying. I, I, brought, I brought 20 loaves. For the people, and Gazi says, what, he's begging me to put this before all these people? What would you say? Thank you very much. We'll, 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 we'll do whatever we can with it. Gazi says, I don't think so. What shall I set? Will I set this before the hundred people? But he said, listen to what Elisha says. Give them to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. What does he say? He says, God's the provider. There's more than enough. There's going to be even some left over. Now, do you think there's going to be some left over? 
Well, if, he said, if God says there is a well, think about it. When Jesus fed the 5,000, how many baskets were left over? 12. When, he fed, when I say 5,000, you know that's 5,000 men. There's probably 20,000 people, and they have 12 baskets left over, and they started with five loaves and two fishes. And by the way, the five loaves were about little pieces of bread, and the fish was more like that big. They weren't fish fish. They were little bitty things. And so he, he, he served... 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, had 12 baskets left over. He fed the 4,000 men with a very small amount as well, seven baskets left over. So Elisha says, take these 20 loaves and this grain and pass it out to the 100. Notice what he says. What will I set? Will I set this before 100 men? He's saying, this is ridiculous, but what does he say? No, God always provides. God always provides. In fact, there will be some left over. You know what about our lives? My God will supply what? All your needs. All your needs. He didn't say some. And he says, all your needs according, according to his riches in glory. Now, I want you to think about something. If God would have said, my God shall supply all your needs out of his riches in glory, that would be a limitation. Because he has this much, but it's going to come out of this. But when he says, according to his riches, that's all of it. God always supplies every need that we have. And so he says, no, 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 put it out there. Put it out there. There will be some left over. And so verse 44 says, so they said it before them, and they ate, and guess what? What does it say? They had some left over according to the word of the Lord. The Bible tells us that God will supply. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed. He's going to always do it. So he set it out. God is the one who provides. They set it before them. God gave even more than they needed. It's always that way. It's always that way. God always gives more than is needed. We talked about it last week about is there just enough flowers for a few people to see? Or are there flowers in places nobody will ever see? Tops of mountains, places, there are flowers, there are beautiful things, and nobody will ever see them, but God provided. And there are fish and things on the sea that sometimes people get way down there and they say, we, we didn't even know that existed down here. God provides more. And you might have made the joke last week. I said, is there just enough oxygen that if you breathed in too much, somebody somewhere else goes, I can't breathe. Somebody took the oxygen. No, no, there's more than enough of everything. Isn't that right? Always more than enough. God always provides. God's word is always true. Elisha said, and he's saying, thus says the Lord. Remember, he says, thus says the Lord. And then at the end, it says, according to the word of the Lord. God's word is always true. Elisha said there would be plenty and some left over. And this is, in a sense, a foreshadow of what Jesus is going to do. Elisha takes a number of loaves and feeds a 100 people with more left over Jesus comes and takes five loaves, two fish, and feeds probably 20,000 people, and then a little bit again, and feeds uh, 4,000 men, not count women and children, and has seven baskets left over. God always provides more than it's needed. And all you have to do is look at your life. God doesn't just barely make it for us. God does beyond what we could ask or imagine, and it's always that way. Now, sometimes, sometimes we are so short-sighted, and we're so sinful sometimes, and we're so, I don't even know the right word to use, that we, we miss his bountifulness. We, we look at life and we look to the things we don't have instead of the things that we have, and the things that we have are so much more than we can imagine. 
And, and if we really need something, he's going to provide it. So what have we seen? God protects. Elisha cleanses the stew. God provides. God gives food for all and some left over. So let me give you some applications before we break to go to Grow Group. Let's remember that God is our protector. He is. He loves us. He loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. I think the thing that's sometimes hard to grasp is that God's love never changes. Uh, Sometimes you talk to people and you say, do you think God loves the unbeliever as much as he loves the believer? What's the answer? He loves the unbeliever exactly the same as he loves the believer. Okay, now, we're a believer. Does God love a believer who's in fellowship as much as he loves a believer, or does he love a believer in fellowship more than he loves a believer out of fellowship? No, loves the same. His love never changes. It never ends. It's unconditional love that never changes. That's why when you think about life, and you do something wrong, and you blow it, and we want to think that God says, oh, how many times do I have to put up with you? Does his love ever change? Listen, could he say that about every one of us? How many times do I have to put up with you? If you were God with your personality right now and we did the sin, what would you say? Would you get out of my life, right? That's what we'd say. You're, how many times are you going to mess up? Well, when we come to God and mess up, he says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. God always He's our protector. He loves us. He cares for us. He is our strength and shield. We go out these doors. We don't have to be afraid of anything. Now, our world's getting tough. Our world is beginning to attack. Our world's beginning to attack Christians in the United States. And we're going to have to stand strong. And there's no telling what's going to happen down the road. But do we have to be afraid? We don't have to be afraid. No, we don't have to be afraid. He is our strength. He is our shield. He is there. That's the second one I want you to think about. Oh, he protects us from the evil one. That's really the thing. Who's behind every bit of this? Are people the enemy? No, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against rule forces of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who the enemy is. And the enemy affects the world, and the world affects people. Uh, this fallen world system affects people. And so uh, he protects us from the evil one. The second application, let's realize God's the provider. He is. He's the provider. He provides. He supplies all our needs and usually gives more than we need. I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, that's exactly right. But sometimes it's even beyond what we could ask or imagine. And then the last application I want you to think about is let's know that God's word is always true. What did he say? Let me read verse 43 again. Give the people to, to, the, that they may eat, for thus says the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. So he said it before them, they ate, they had some left over according to the word of the Lord. God's word is always true. Elisha said there'd be plenty for all and some left over because he's quoting God. And that's exactly what happened. Plenty for all. Does God love you with everlasting love? Has he given you eternal life simply by faith? Will he never leave you or forsake you? Do you have the true word of God in its entirety in your hands? Yes. Do we have everything that we need? Do we have beyond what we need? It's that way every time, always that way. God says it and it's true. May we trust God who is our protector and our provider.